Hey, we're, uh, we're really, really blessed today to have one of my very best friends in the entire world. Um, when I moved to Jacksonville, Florida, back in 2004, became a youth pastor in a church there. This guy was youth pastoring uh, in the city as well at another church, and both of us kind of traveled similar tracks, uh, similar stories. We both, both ended up at Celebration Church in Jacksonville, which you guys have heard me talk about in the past. Uh, Jesus liked him a little bit more because he actually got to work there, and uh, <clears throat> I didn't. But Steve and I have been friends, and, and about the same time God started working on our hearts to come and plant in Newark, uh, I found out that, that Steve and his, Kim, his wife, his Kim wife, his, no sleep for me either, his wife Kim, uh, were feeling God tugging at their hearts to move to Philadelphia and plant a church. And, uh, and so just this week, they've released the news that Life Church of the Delaware Valley will launch in the fall, and, uh, and we're going to be a part of that. And uh, so I asked Steve, knowing that the, the due date was actually today for Benjamin to get here, I knew that it would be a, a crazy time for us, and, and I want to get him down here and get him from, in front of our church anyway. And uh, I'm sorry, I just wasn't thinking about daylight savings. I actually didn't want to do that to you, but uh, people showed up. It's good. All right, so... Um, so Steve's going to come bring the word today. So, and then at the end of the service, we're, we're actually going to be a part true life of helping life church of Delaware Valley get started and get off the ground. So I'm going to talk to you about that at the end, how you can be a part of that. We're already a part of it through our giving to the association of related churches, but we're going to go above and beyond a little bit and help them get their church uh, off the ground. And if you know families and friends in Philadelphia, uh, you need to help us spread the word there. So, hey, would you all get up on your feet, make some noise, welcome my one of my best friends to the stage, Steve Crutchfield. Come on, everybody. Love you too, man. Yeah, glad we worked that out. Yeah, man, it's great to be here. I didn't know we were that close, Michael. Um, not really. I'm going to adjust this because I just am. Everybody doing all right? Steve. Steve. Squirrel. No, for reals. Um, it is just great to be here. So great to be here. It's an honor to speak at True Life. And uh, your pastor and his family, um, Amanda, Sarah, and the Beast, Benjamin. The Beast. That's what he is. When I saw the first picture, I was like, my Lord, that poor woman. I mean, I was like, that joker is huge. I mean, he is, he's awesome. It's going um, to be so great for them. I know they've been praying for an awesome, another awesome kid, and they have it now. And uh, that's so great. Um, yeah, Michael and I, you know, met back when, um, I mean, we, we have a lot in common. I mean, I'm over six feet also. And I have hair, just like he does. And I know really about the only thing we have in common, there's two things. We really love music and, uh, like, people and stuff. And um, when it comes to our wives, everyone wonders how in the world we hooked up with our wives. Um, so we have a lot in common. Kim, I love you. Everybody give a hand for my wonderful wife. God bless you, baby. Um, yeah, so we have a whole lot in common, and uh, it's super great. But, um, yeah, my wife and I and... Uh, Two kids, we moved up into the Philadelphia region about a year and a half ago um, with the desire to start a healthy church and to be part of healthy churches all over this region. And uh, we're just one of those stories. It doesn't make sense why we're here. I grew up in rural South Alabama um, in hay fields and corn fields with deer and turkey and snakes and squirrels and 
possums and all those things. That was my life growing up. And at, a, at an early age, God really gave me a heart um, for the urban environment, and I didn't really understand it at the time. But fast forward to now, and here we are um, in Philadelphia. So it's just an honor to be doing the work of the Lord. Anybody can agree with that? And uh, for those of you that are here today and you ha- say, I have no clue what you're talking about, <laughs> it's an honor to be doing the work of the Lord. We don't know. But I just believe that each of us have a God-given gift, and each of us have a purpose. Whether you know that purpose or not today, I believe you can leave here with that purpose in your heart and in your mind. You believe that? Come on. How many of you know that our attitudes and our just our persona, the way we act, it can really alter and change an environment? You know what I'm talking about? Right. How many of you are environmentalists and you hug trees? Anybody? I'm not here to offend you. God bless you. No, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not really talking about that type of environment, but wouldn't it be great? Hey, if actually hugging a tree would help our world, I would hug a tree every day. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I would just, I would, I would do that. But that's not what I'm talking about. But how many of you understand the scenario when someone walks into a party or walks into your home or walks into your office or into your classroom? How many of you know that someone can either suck the life out of the room or they can either add something to it? You with me? There is nothing worse. Okay, stop. If you are that person that sucks the flipping life out of a room, I love you. Don't elbow them. Just leave them alone. God's going to deal with them. But, hey, none of us really want to be that. Some of you are there like, yeah, I don't like those people. I'm talking to you. <laughs> no, no. But sometimes we just are and we don't realize it. But um, you can either kill an environment or you can add life to it. And I'm here today to tell you that we should be adding life and, and energy into the places that God has us. It's just that simple. And um, one thought that sums this up scripturally is in Romans twelve eleven, it says, never be lacking. Everybody say never. never. Never be lacking in zeal, but always keep your spiritual fervor serving what? The Lord. Your spiritual fervor. Everybody say fervor. That's a really fun word. You should tat it right there. Just fervor. But fervor, the Greek word used there is, is zeal, and it means to boil with heat. And how many of you understand this principle that heat and boiling water can alter items or things, right? You, you use boiling water to clean things, um, baby bottles, my Lord, man, you just drop those nipples in there all the time. I used to burn myself like crazy. And uh, what happens with hard, brittle noodles when you drop them up in some water? Right? They get soft. Nobody wants to pour a good old spaghetti sauce on top of a hard-breaking noodle, right? That's just nasty. That's nasty. You wouldn't know how good it would be to get it all soft and just al dente enough to make it really appetizing, right? Water that's heated up changes something. So what we're talking about here is there's possibly something within us that is burning for the things of God, something that's so passionate, so different that it can change the environment that we're in. No matter where we are or what we are doing, there could be something in us that God has deposited. And when we allow it to heat up a little bit, it can change things. And today I want us each to leave here knowing that God has placed within each of us the ability to be passionate. Look at your neighbor and say, you can be passionate. Michael, I believe this. True life church is going to be known by its passion 
not only to serve God, but to serve the community that he's put you in. That's what is going to be a banner over this church, a banner over the people that are involved in it. True life will be a passionate, believing force that will change this world. Amen? Do you believe that? Come on, that's what's going to happen. Listen, the Bible talks about us being passionate and in love and serving other people and giving and worshiping. But today I want us to pull out one thing, and that is serving passionately. The reason I want to do that is I believe serving is the very foundation in the heart of Christ, right? He said he didn't came, come into the world to be some type of king sitting on a throne, but he came to do what? To serve. To serve. So if we do anything, if we understand the heart of Christ at all, it's not some religious thing that you have to grasp mentally, but when you understand his heart and when you understand what he came into this world to do, to give of himself, when we grasp that, our whole world changes. Our whole idea changes. Our whole thought about what we're supposed to do when we impact this earth changes when we understand the heart of Christ. Colossians 3.23 says this, whatever you do, work at it with what? Some of your heart? No, all of your heart, and work as for the Lord and not for what? Right? Who do we spend most of our time trying to please? I mean, seriously. We design our life and our world to fit within the specifications of man. We put so much pressure on us about how we look and how we perform in the job and in school and all this stuff, which is great. Work hard. But be careful who we are trying to please, who we are working for. If you're depressed and beat up because you seem like you're working in circles in life and you haven't arrived anywhere where you thought you would be, I just want to encourage you today, maybe you're working towards the wrong goal or for the wrong individual or for the wrong God. Work as to the Lord. I really love the way the message translation says it. Don't just do the minimum that will get you by. Do your best work. Work from your heart for your real master, for God, confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. Living our lives passionately means that we give our best and we stay away from the, oh, that's good enough. Oh, that's good enough. How many times have you said that? Come on, how would you feel like if you were having open heart surgery and your doctor was like, eh, that's good enough? Right? Well, when we were building our first home in Florida, um, I was stopping by the work site one day, and uh, I remember the guys were putting on, in Florida we have to have hurricane um, straps and all this stuff, like extra metal tied into everything, and it literally goes everywhere. And I walked up, and this cat was like grabbing this one, and he, he did something, he looked at it, he's like, eh. And I'm like, whoa, 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 there's no, eh. This is my house. I'm paying you to do this. Put that strap on it. And, uh, I mean, that's important, man. I mean, how many of you would like that in your work environment? Or if if your kids just walk up to you and say, eh, that's good enough. No. No, that's not the attitude we want to be around. That's not the attitude we want to give. Unfortunately, in our society, we have that mentality, oh, we'll just do enough to get by. And we all know what that gives us and leaves us. We have just enough to get by. But I believe that there's another zone, there's another place And I want us to concentrate today on the life of a spiritual giant, a giant of the faith in the Old Testament, and that is the person of Rebekah. We'll find this story in Genesis 24. And um, just a little context. How many of you, just to be honest, don't lie to me, how many of you have never heard of Rebekah in the Bible? Okay, we're good. Don't be scared. We're good. All right. Good. We're going to talk about Rebekah. So 
let's start it out like this. I'll give you a little context. Abraham was really old. Everybody say old. Old. Oh, I mean old, man, like really old. And see, he had this promise that he was going to be the father of many generations. The problem is his son Isaac wasn't married, and he was about 40 years old. So Abraham was probably sitting away one day, and he's like, man, we got to get this dude hooked up. You know what I'm saying? we got to find somebody for, for Isaac. So basically, he sent his chief servant, the person he trusted the most, and he said, you know what? I really need you to pray really hard and just go on this journey and find a wife for Isaac, because if not, I don't see how God's going to work all this stuff out. So in faith, he sent his chief servant out to find a wife for Isaac. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. God, we know that one second in your presence can change our life for eternity. It doesn't matter about a message or prep or the screen stuff or all of these other things we're going through. God, I believe your presence is strong enough to change us forever. We just ask that your presence will be in this place, touch each one of us, change us for the rest of our lives. In your name, amen. All right, let's look here and read a little bit. Is it okay to read the Bible at church? Okay, check out the screen or your Bible I'm going to read here. Verse 10, then the servant left, taking with him 10 of his master's camels loaded with all kinds. Everybody say all kinds. All kinds of good things from his master. He set out for Aram Neharim and made his way to the town of Naor. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening, the time the women go out to draw water. Verse 12, then he prayed, Lord, God of my master Abraham, make me successful today. Stop right there. Look at me. Don't believe any stupid people that say it's not okay to be successful or even pray for success. Uh, the devil would like us to think that, oh, you can't promote, you, you can't be successful. You know, you got to give all, this is in the Bible, we need to read it. Make me successful today. You should wake up every day and say, God, make this day successful. Make me successful today and watch God show up. And show kindness to my master Abraham, verse 13. See, I am standing beside this spring, and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Verse 15, before, everybody say before. Before he had even finished praying, how I many of you love some of those answers? God, I just pray. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Before he had finished praying, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's mother, Nahor. The woman was very beautiful, a virgin no man had ever slept with. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. Verse 17. The servant hurried to meet her and said, Please, give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my Lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. After she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels, too. Imagine that. Until they have had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water, and drew enough for all of his camels. Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful when the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold nose ring weighing a becca and two gold bracelets weighing ten shekels. Then he asked, whose daughter are you? Please tell me, is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? And the rest is, as they say, history. Rebecca becomes the wife of Isaac. They become the parents of Jacob and Esau. Jacob becomes known as Israel. He has 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel, from with, which within Jesus Christ 
was born. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. God's plans are simply amazing. Abraham had a need. Rebecca had a desire. They meet together, and God's will was fulfilled. Something amazing happens when desire and passion meet need. Not only does good thing happen, God things happen. And I don't know about you, I just want to encourage you today. Some of you are settling for good things. And I'm here to tell you today that there's something better than good things. And that's when God gets up in our mix and begins to change stuff. God things are always better. No doubt. Don't settle for just a little bit. Believe God for the miraculous. Believe God to show up and, and bring exactly what you are praying for into your scenario. Three things I just want to show, show with you real quick that flow out of passionate spit. You're in the spit zone. I'm sorry if any of you have it. It's like Shamu and everything. Um, anybody, who's been to SeaWorld? How many of you sat in the splash zone in SeaWorld? I mean, being a dad, man, I'm like, you know, yeah, let's go. That's, that's the cool thing to do, right? And then after you are flipping drenched, you're like, this is the worst idea ever. Your kids are, and and everybody's legs rubbing together. And you're like, I've got to walk around this stinking park for another five hours, and I'm drenched. Bad idea. Bad idea. All you people that think Florida's amazing and all the places are great, they're not. not. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter at all. I grew up around that junk, man. And uh, there's just nothing special about the magic of Disney. I'm just saying, especially in August. Um, But anyways, sidebar. Okay, three things that flow out of passion serving. Number one, opportunity. Everybody say opportunity. Opportunity flows out of a second mile attitude. Listen, Jesus coined this phrase, uh, Matthew 5.41, when your enemy asks you to go one mile, go with him two. So what was he referring to was this Roman law that basically said, you know, if you're out on the, the path coming out of the city and this Roman soldier says, carry my pack, then you had to say, sure, I'll carry your pack. And you had to, by law, go with him one mile. Jesus is saying, hey, in the kingdom of God, we don't do none of this minimalistic mess. We are maximal. We, we do everything to the fullest extent. Not only go with them one mile, go out of your way two miles. Can you imagine that principle in our day today? Really? Somebody from our, our government walks by, I'm like, hey, man, will you carry my briefcase with me? I've got to go across the city. We're going to walk. All right, man, I got you. All right, yeah, I'll steal your briefcase and run the other direction. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we don't even think like that anymore. That's so foreign to us. Um, we, we, we've kind of lost that whole respect thing. Somewhere along the way, we got it in our heads as Americans that if we don't like something, we can just do something different. Like, oh, we don't like the government, so we're just going to hate them. We don't like the way they think, so we're going to go against them. Sorry, I'm going to get on my little tiny soapbox for a second. If the church would do what they're supposed to do and pray, instead of running this, that, 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 and have the heart of a servant, I believe that God would be able to birth blessing from the dark places. That's free. I didn't even have that in my notes. Anyways, so we want to talk about this second mile zone for just a moment. And this is where opportunity comes in. This is where... Um, the blessing is because in our work, in school, in our spiritual walks, in families and relationships, some of you might be struggling in a marriage right now even, and you're just going through a dark place. This second mile zone, man, it will open up opportunities you never dreamed of, man. 
when you do something for your spouse just like total out of the ordinary and like just go above and beyond, man, it just hooks it up. You know what I'm saying? It's just good. It's a good thing. What happens at work when you work really hard? There's usually something to, to come in and say, you know what? Wow, there's promotion there if you're the place that does that kind of stuff. But bottom line is when you work really hard and when you go extra in your heart, when you lay your head down on a pillow at night, there is a peace that comes around you giving your all that day. You know what I'm talking about? There is something special about giving your life for something more than yourself. The best I feel is when I serve other people's dreams above mine. I'm just being honest. There's nothing worse than being selfish. But anyways, God allows great things into our lives when we operate in this zone. And I just want to encourage you today. Rebecca's attitude positioned her to allow these new opportunities to flow into her life. And I believe that the same can happen for us today. As you serve passionately, as you make room for God, then things can come into your life. They can also be sucked right out of your life if we have a bad attitude. I know my, my daughter, is, is she in, she's in the, okay. My daughter, she's about to turn eight, okay. She is a beautiful little child after her mother, no doubt. She is amazing. I don't know any parent that says, my daughter's ugly. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's, that's like the worst ever. But <laughs> it's like, yeah, right. Yeah, we heard that before. Um, no, but she, she, she really is beautiful like her mother. But um, she, man, she can just turn on the fakest, dramatic crocodile tears, like just like that. Anybody have a kid like that? Or maybe you're like, I am that person. Yeah, that's me. But that, that's just her, man. And I'm trying to teach her, man. I appreciate your ability to act. And we, I mean, there's, there's finance that comes, follows that kind of stuff. You know, you, you're good. I mean, you're really good. But it does not affect the way things flow. Like, I'm not just going to give you something because you cry. I'm trying to help her understand that a, the right heart and having a sweet heart and a servant's heart will allow things to flow into her life, not by being dramatic. And, um, you know, there, there's certain important things like that. But how we position ourselves affects what we get placed into our hands, right? So I just want to let you know that the blessing and the promotion, the significance that you're looking for, it all comes out of this and then some zone. Look at your neighbor and say, go two miles. Number two, significance. Everybody say significance. Significance flows out of a commitment to the insignificant. You know, it's not always easy. How many of you feel like you're going through the motions, just kind of mundane? You're living in the, operating in that zone. It's okay to raise your hand. That's healthy. Okay, yeah. You know, you can get up, go to work, come home, eat, go to bed, get a shower, hopefully, sometime. And then you eat again, go to work, you do this thing. But, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Not everybody, it's okay. You don't have to shower, but it's nice if you can. All right? If you can. Um, the good thing about Philadelphia, I was talking with some homeless cats yesterday, and um, he's like, I never, I never really thought about this. He said, man, you know what the worst thing is about the winter? I was like, it's cold. He's like, no, man, all the fountains are dried up. There's no place to wash. I'm like, that's a great idea. I mean, I, I never thought about that. Don't look at me like I'm dumb. There are homeless people in the world, and it's okay. Right? So here I am thinking, how can I create a basin of water for these cats to get some water when all the stuff's dried up. I don't know, Michael. Maybe we can figure that out. I don't know. No ideas? You're like, no. <laughs> but seriously, man, I, I don't know. But it's not easy to go through Monday. How did I get to water? I have no flipping clue. 
being faithful and passionate in the small things can lead to, I don't know. Anyways. Showering. See, that didn't even, that's no reason to even talk about that. We're good. Yeah, okay, we're moving on because that's just a bad place. We're talking about water because of the camels here. That's where we're going. We're talking about camels, right? Yeah. Mm. I need a B3. Somebody get on the B3. Listen, Rebecca was committed to the insignificant, man. She was. And there is no story that's ripped my mind open and poured my brains out like this one. I'm serious. Listen, she gave water not only to the man, but to his camels, to 10 camels. Now, listen, this is not like, this, this is not even in our understanding, number one. So that's potentially 200 gallons of water because camels can drink an average of 20 gallons after a trip, right? So if she had a three-gallon jar, right, that would be 67 trips. 67 trips, about three minutes per trip. Look, it's not like this. Okay, filling up the water, put it right here. Listen, they had a barrier around the wells of the town, and the town and the wells were a little bit outside, and they had a barrier because animals were not allowed to encroach around this barrier. Why? Because it was a well, it was a spring. And how many of you know what happens when animals eat and drink? They poop. Camel poop is one poop I've never seen, but I'm sure it's not great. The larger the animal, usually, the, you know. But, you know, so, yeah, the, you have to imagine she had to go to this place, and she had to actually probably put some kind of bucket down into this cistern, pull it back up, fill up her three-gallon jar, then walk back out into the safe zone, and what are these troughs? So it took a long time. It probably would take about three hours, okay? That's a long time. And, um, you know, I don't know about you, but how easy is it for us to take three hours out of our day to serve someone that we don't even know? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, we, like, never do that. (laughs) We, like, never do that. It is so difficult. We make ourselves so busy, it's really hard to serve. But I just want us to think about how much and how difficult this was. She was a young lady that served her family twice a day already. She would get up and do the insignificant. In the morning, she would get water for her family. In the evening, right now, she would get water for her family. How many of you can imagine that in a family full of men and women and children going all over the place, you forget about little sis that just went and got the water that you just drank, right? I mean, that is so insignificant, but it's so important. And some of you might be in that zone today. You do something that people overlook all the time. Can I tell you that what you do is important? Your life is important. No matter how significant or insignificant you think you are, your life is super important. And what you have to do in life is super important. And God wants to bless that as long as we do it with the right heart and the right spirit. Listen, I just want to encourage us to go out of our way and spend some time serving people even though we're busy. I believe that we can do it. Have you ever had something you needed to achieve and you didn't like the time frame set out by God or just life? Ever tried to circumvent that and create a shortcut? Yep. Yep. What would have happened if Rebecca would have tried a shortcut and just led the the animals into this well? It would have contaminated the source. Not only would she have ruined her day and anybody's day, but it would have ruined the soil there for a long time. She would have affected her whole community. Sometimes we do the same things. We try to get shortcuts into blessings in life and achieving in life, and we end up hurting ourselves and everyone that's connected to us. Each step is significant, even when you don't understand it. What was step one for her? 
draw water for the family twice a day. Step two, draw water for a stranger. Step three, draw water for 10 camels. Step four gets a little better. She got a little bling bling, got a nose ring, you know what I'm saying? That stuff's not new, man. They were rocking nose rings back in the day, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, that was good. She was rewarded. But then she gets married to Isaac. She gets an inheritance like crazy. Then she gives birth to two sons. And then she's the great, great times a billion grandmother of Jesus Christ. She gave camels water and she's Jesus' grandma. <laughs> Who would have thought that? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, you don't, you, know, you can't write that better. I mean, it is amazing what we see as insignificant, and God is saying, hold on, you don't understand the picture. You don't see the painting that I'm painting, this huge canvas behind your life. There's an amazing story. Each of you are part of it today here at True Life in Newark. You are part of this beautiful story that God has ordained, and he's put you in this place for just a time as this. Whether you seem insignificant or not, God sees every step along the way. I would have never in my life dreamed that I would be living in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Never. It didn't make sense. I used to dress in camo, paint my face, belly crawl, and try to shoot everything that moved. That was my life growing up. I shot squirrel. I ate squirrel. That's just what I did. And now I live in an amazing city and enjoy that life. I would have never thought that. Move my family up here to start a church. Each step matters. We came here on the ground ready to go, starting a church, starting a church, starting a church, starting a church. God said, stop. I said, no, God, are you crazy? I'm not stopping. We just moved 15 hours north to start a church. You tell us to stop. He said, yeah, I want you to serve. I don't want to serve. I came here to start a church. I don't want to serve anybody else. God said, I want you to start, serve another church. So this beautiful story was happening where I didn't understand the significance of the step. We hooked up with a great pastor and his wife that had just started a church about a year and a half ago. Um, Pastor Brad and Leah Leach there at City Life Church in Philadelphia. And I just thought we were going to be serving. And I had no clue that they were about to experience one of the biggest tragedies of their life when Leah lost her father on, on the shore down in Delaware uh, on the first day of their family vacation. Her father was picked up by a wave and dropped into the sand, broke his neck, and he drowned. He was in, in ICU for 10 days. And I didn't know when God called me five years ago to move my family to this city that we were going to serve at this church for this pastor that would need a friend and would need someone to help with the church while he was helping his family rebuild their relationship and their life and their world and was able to take time off of their church while my wife and I served and, and helped move the church forward. Who could have planned that? Nobody. But each step matters. Even when you feel insignificant, significance is there in the eyes of God. Amen? You never know what God is working out. You never know who God's going to bring into your life, who God's going to take out of your life. Sitting beside my wife are two friends that God has dropped into our life within this last year that have been huge for us. I never would have thought it, but it happened. God works like that. Come on, somebody, look at your neighbor and say, insignificant matters. I want to tell you one more thing here. The cool thing about that, I can't forget this. The cool thing about that whole story is when Rebecca went to meet her husband, she rode back into the town on the back of the camels that she watered. Sometimes the very insignificant things that you're committed to in life are the very vehicles that God's going to use to propel you into your destiny. Don't forget it. 
Number three, favor. Everybody say favor. If you say favor, it's just better than favor. Favor. Favor is a lot better than favor. Okay, so favor, no, favor flows out of faithfulness. Listen, two definitions for you. Favor, over-generous preferential treatment, okay? Over-generous preferential treatment. How many of you like to have stuff given to you, right? Anybody? No, but just one. It's a church planner. No, no. <laughs> no, I mean, just like, yeah, man, no, but things given to us, that's cool, man. That's really great. And faithfulness, this is the best definition of faithfulness ever. Being where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to do. Be where you're supposed to be, do what you're supposed to do. So God's basically setting this up for us. When we are doing what we are supposed to be doing, watering the flipping camels, taking water to our family, nobody else's care. Crackles, that's cool. Nobody else cares what you're doing. Yes, it matters. It matters, man. It really does. When you are where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to do, you're studying for that test to graduate, and you can't stand studying, and you hate studying. At least I did. It matters, man. Give your best. Be faithful. Be faithful because favor is attached to faithfulness. Proverbs 28, 19 says this. He who works whose land? His land will have abundant food, but the one who chases fantasies will have his fill of what? Poverty. It's so easy to become entrenched and just ingrained in this grass is greener principle. You ever been there? Keeping up with the Joneses, the American story, all this kind of stuff, right? Man, it looks so good over here. Listen, you all know the story. Listen, I grew up in, I grew up in Hayfields, all right? You'd look out in a sea of brown at certain times, and there would be a patch of green sticking up. Flowers, all this kind of stuff. You know what it meant? That's where an animal did his business. Yeah, fertilizer. That's right. So what does, that, what does that mean? Yeah, grass is always greener somewhere, but there's more crap in the yard. You know what I'm saying? Is it okay to say that here? Okay. Listen, oh, I can't wait to get over there. It's so nice, you know. <laughs> ah! No, seriously, man. That's what, that's what takes it. That's what makes it happen. A lot of us want the beautiful life, but we don't want the mess that goes with it. It is not easy, man. It's not easy. But this Savior King that really came to this earth that we might have life didn't come to sit on a throne and be fed and be fanned with all this stuff. He came to get down and get dirty with real people and to serve them with all of his heart. To complete this beautiful story by Creator God that said, you know what? Here's this God and here's this creation and there's separation because of sin, but I'm going to send my son to serve this whole beautiful creation that we might be restored. You might be saying, you know what? My life is a bunch of crap. I'll just be honest with you. Man's stuff is messed up. Just be faithful. Be faithful. A faithful man will be richly blessed. Or woman. Proverbs 28, 20. You know, how many of you can say that you want to be that person that adds value to other people? You don't want to be life suckers, man. No. You don't wake up every day and say, man, what's the best mistake I can make today? Whose life can I ruin today? Yes. Oh, man. We don't do that. If anything, when we lay down at night and we wake up in the morning, there's an empty place that says, man, I just wish my I wish it was more than just this thing. It is. It is. 
And I believe when we connect with the passion that God has deposited into each of us, listen, you don't have to fake it. When God created us, he put something special in each of you, in each of you. And when he mixes with that special stuff, that's where the passion is. When you understand that Jesus Christ came to give his life for you, that's when you get excited. Like, really, is that what happened? Yes, that's what happened. And the most important thing for us here today, I know your pastor shared a great message with you about having buy-in with a vision last week. And just, man, to be an unstoppable vision. I'm talking about you. It's great to have a vision. And if you allow unstoppable passion to come alongside this vision that God has given your pastor for this community, if you allow that to happen, there will be an unstoppable force that will sweep through this city and through this region. And it'll all be because you said yes today. It'll all be because you said, you know what? I want my life to matter. I want to get up every day and serve somebody, serve something, serve God with passion. Anybody can be bored. Don't be that. Enjoy life, man. God wants you to enjoy it. And when we fall in love with the person of Christ, our day changes forever. You mind closing your eyes just for a moment? I want to ask us all a question today. Will we live a life that's characterized by serving and passion? Will we go farther than expected? Will we commit ourselves to each step, even when it's insignificant? We will be faithful. Whatever that means for you today, right now, I just want you to answer that question. Some of you might be saying, you know what, that's great. Sounds really cool, but my life's a mess right now. Now, just be honest. I need Jesus, I need this king that came to serve. I want that. And I tell you that that's the most important thing that could ever happen in your life, and it can happen right now today. If that's you and you just need Jesus in your life to be your king, so you can serve him with passion, will you just raise your hand real quick and put it right back down? If that's your story. Thank you. Anybody else? Are you here today and you serve Jesus? You're in a relationship with him right now, but you're not very passionate and you'll just have a really open, honest moment right now and say, you know, can we just pray right now that passion will be restored in my life so I can serve again with joy and happiness and not out of a mundane, dead heart. I want life again. If that's you, will you just raise your hand and wave it at me? Put it right back down. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we are totally aware that you are an amazing God, but you're not a God that is distant and separated from us. You're a God that is amazing. You're a God that cares about where we are right now in our journey. 
Lord, whether we live in the largest house on a hill or if we're a homeless living in the streets today, you care about us more than anything. And you want our lives to be characterized by the love of your son, Jesus. You want our lives to be characterized by the passion that you have for us. And God, I thank you for those that say, you know what, I want to live for Jesus. Today, as they make that commitment for you to be their savior, to forgive them of their sins, God, I just ask that their life will have peace and joy today when they get up and walk out of this room. Lord, for those of us that just say, you know what, we know you, Jesus, but we want more life in us. We want more passion. We want to serve. We want to serve this community that God's planted us in. We want to serve this pastor that has brought this vision and this church into our community. We want to serve with passion. God, I pray that you'll release that. Lord, may true life be known as a church that is in love with a real Savior and a church that is in love with a community and a church that serves both passionately. We love you, God, and we just ask that you wreck our lives, rule our lives, bring love into our lives, help us to honor you with everything, and we give you all the glory and honor for it. In your name, Jesus, we pray, amen. Come on, can you put your hands together for God today?